ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockheim, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. So a few years ago, a woman came to me for coaching. So miserable in her job, just like so done with it. And she's like, help me figure out what I want to do. I want to do something different. So we did all the things, right? All the work that I take women through, really getting into their strengths, getting into what their superpowers are, getting into what lights them up, their childhood dreams, their peak experiences, like all the things that I do with women, what inspires them, who. And as we went through the work, she told me that what really inspires her is that she had started a nonprofit for young girls in the inner city to be able to travel abroad because that was her experience, that she had grown up in the inner city of New York and she had had the experience of traveling abroad and it changed her whole life in terms of being able to see so much, in terms of being able to feel part of the global community and in terms of her level of success. I mean, she had been like a director in a very big firm in New York City. And she said, I just love lifting these girls up. So I said to her, well, how are you lifting your current employees up? Right. She had a whole team who worked for her. And she looked at me with like deer in headlights. What do you mean? Like, well, they work for you. You could lift them up like you lift up these girls. And she said, well, I hadn't thought of that. I just need to manage them. I need to get X, Y, Z done. We've got all these reports to get done. And I said, well, let's look at how can you lift them up? How can you lift up your customers? What would lifting up the same way you do for the girls? What would lifting up look like for them, for your customers? What would lifting up look like for your colleagues? What would lifting up look like? And I'll tell you, she didn't change jobs. Instead, she shifted her job to be about lifting others up. And yes, she kept the nonprofit and she's rocking that and rocking it all. But she was able to stay in the job with a different perspective. Sometimes it is time to leave your job and figure out what else you want to do and if there's a dream inside of you and there's something else for you. And sometimes you can achieve that dream right where you are. And that is a beautiful thing. And that is what my guest today on the Purpose Girl podcast is here to teach us and show us how to do. I am so excited and so honored to share her with you. Let me introduce you to Carson Tate. Carson Tate is the founder and managing partner of Working Simply Inc., a business consulting firm that partners with organizations, business leaders, and employees to enhance workplace productivity, foster employee engagement, and build personal and professional legacies. Working Simply has served leading global brands, including AbbVie, Delta Airlines, Deloitte, FedEx, Wells Fargo, Chick-fil-A, Lowe's, I mean, you name it, she's been in it. She's a best-selling author. Her newest book, Own It, Love It, Make It Work, and its companion workbook is now released nationwide in the United States and hopefully elsewhere soon. 
And so we're going to dive into how can you own your job? How can you love it? And how can you make it work? Carson, welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. Thank you, Karen. I am so excited to be with you and all your listeners. Mm, Well, we are excited because this is a big thing that I see. Obviously, my whole gig is supporting women in living their purpose, right? feeling fully alive. And we know from the research that 60 to 70% of people do not feel engaged in their work. I know from you women who email me, you send me messages on Instagram, like, I don't like my job. I don't know what to do. And sometimes it feels overwhelming to just think, well, I'm going to go get another job. What job would I want? What else can I do? And it would be a heck of a lot easier if we can figure out, is there a way to love the job I have? Easier. And Karen, I would also suggest that the quitting and finding a new job is probably not going to find that, you're not going to find that level of fulfillment and purpose until you've done the work you're talking about of getting really clear around what it is, what are your superpowers, your strengths, what really lights you up. And then let's start to create a path to find that in a new job. But I'm going to suggest you can stay right where you are. Mm, I love this. It just shows that there are many ways to feel fulfilled, many ways to get to the same end goal, right? Like the story of the client that I was talking about. Yes. Right. So let's talk about, I feel like we're in a situation right now where we have so many women craving purpose, craving making a difference. You know, I'm a new mom. And in my new moms group, as everyone is starting to go back to work, a couple of the women said, I don't even like my job. I don't want to go away from my baby if I don't even like my job. Right. And so our time is precious is what I'm getting at. Whether you're a new mom, you're never going to be a mom. You are 60, you're 70. Our time is too precious today. Our time is too precious and you are too precious and your Mm. strengths are too needed in this world for you not to tap in and be fully engaged and on fire. We need these women now more than ever. More than ever, right? That is how we are going to change the world. I mean, it is women rising into our strengths. Into So let's start with someone is sitting there and they're listening to this. And where do they even start, right? With, okay, it's overwhelming. There's no way I can like my job. Tell us what we do. Mm-hmm. So I want to start with, let's reframe how you think about the relationship with your employer. Um, I know in my career, corporate career, I thought that my employer held all the cards and all the power. Well, actually, that's not true because the relationship with your employer is a social contract based on give and take. And you are invaluable to your organization because your strength, skills, and knowledge and experience allows your organization to serve its customers. So let's first acknowledge that you do have agency and you do have a voice because you're needed. Mm. This is really good, right? This is really good because we do think that they hold all the power. They are the ones and they are not going to change. So there's nothing I can do. And I love what you're saying. It reminds me of a dating conversation too, right? Where someone is like, do they like me? You know, does he or she like me? And it's like, well, do you like them? What I'm hearing you say, Carson, is that we are needed as employees as much as the employer is needed. And so with that, we can approach this totally differently. You can approach it totally differently from a place of empowerment and know that you are valuable and you are bringing this give and take, you're bringing to the relationship. So that's the first reframe. And then let's start to get clear 
what you do in your coaching practice on what you need. And so I have five pillars or elements we talk about in our dream job roadmap. And the first one is around recognition. Mm. Admit that you have recognition needs because you do. And that doesn't mean you're egocentric. It does not mean you're not a team player. It doesn't mean, you know, you're head of the, I, you know, cheerleading squad. No, it means you're human. Yeah. And so let's just, um, I was at a conference, Karen, and I was talking to one of the fellow participants and we were talking about my work and she's like, you know, I was with my company for 15 years. I loved it. And I left finally because I could not stand not being told thank you. Mm. That's simple. So simple. So simple. And I know when I work with management teams, and I'm sure the same with you, that's baseline, right? Of how we work as leaders to be in a place of gratitude and appreciation because people feel so good. But one of the things I hear from women a lot, and this is what I loved when I was reading your book, I loved this, that you started with, it's okay to want recognition. I hear a lot from women, I shouldn't need it right? Whether it's at work, it's with their partner, it's, you know, whoever, like someone told us that we were just supposed to never need a thank you, a you're doing great. And so we think we're needy if we want it, but I love what you're saying. We're human. You need it. And let's pull the frame out a little bit further with recognition, there is also feedback. And mm. I believe, now I know feedback, just the term probably makes everybody sweat. It makes me sweat. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm like, whoa. And I believe it's one of the most effective ways to create more positive, successful work experience experiences and elevate your performance. This is another piece of that recognition. I'm not needy. I need to be seen for my contributions and I want to continue to develop and grow. Mm. So I'm going to look for opportunities to get that reinforcement on my performance, specific skills, specific instances where I'm presenting or training or selling so I can continue to up-level my performance. Because I'm sure you have coached women who they show up for the annual performance review, which is asinine and doesn't work, but that's a whole nother podcast. Amen, sister. And (laughs) they're stunned. I'm not promoted. I'm not getting more money. Did you not know what I did? No, because you didn't ask for the feedback. You weren't communicating and you weren't asking for the recognition to be seen along the way. You were just operating in the dark, not helpful. Right. Not helpful. And this is where any of you, if you've listened to the Purpose Girl podcast for a while, you know, I'm very into brags. Okay, so Carson, I'm huge into women bragging, into women self-celebrating because of that very fact. And it is a statistic that one of the reasons women don't make as much as men, one, is that we aren't touting our own successes. We're not saying, hey, here's an email I got from my client. Look how awesome they think I am. Because as little girls, we were told, don't brag. It's not polite. It's not nice. Don't speak until you're spoken to. I'm just going to sit here and wait to be recognized. Blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? That is not going to lead to us getting ahead, getting the job that we want, being in the place of fulfillment and getting the recognition that we desire. I'll tell you, I teach in a program. Everything I do for Purpose Girl is my own, except for one program that I teach in because I love it with the Flourishing Center. It's a certificate in applied positive psychology. And I just started a new class and a couple of days ago, one of my new students sent me an email and said, I'm so glad I have you as my professor. I understand that the material is one thing, but who delivers it is another. 
And of course it felt so yummy. I'm like basking in it. Like, ah, you know, I felt so good, like melted butter everywhere. And then what did I do? I sent it to my boss. Great. Excellent. Yes. And said, this warms my heart. I'm so excited. I'm so honored. However, I said it. And there were a couple of purposes in sending it to her, right? One is I get to savor it. Like, oh, celebrate. This is so good. Celebrate me. Let's celebrate this together. Let's celebrate our students. And the other is to let her know, hey, I'm doing a good job. Exactly. And this is also informative to your manager because there's no one size fits all recognition, right? So some of us, the email lights us up, but some of us need that verbal affirmation or some of us recognition looks like a colleague or your manager working alongside you. You're having a rich conversation. So it's different. So I think that is really important. Recognitions are unique for the person. But in that email, what you also did with your manager is helped her understand, hey, you know, this kind of recognition is helpful for me and very uplifting and elevates my performance. So I would suggest there were three very powerful purposes or intentions in this email. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of the third, but you're absolutely right. And in the love languages work, which, you know, I don't know if we're going to get into, but each one of us has a different love language. And I totally think it applies to everything, not just your romantic relationship. I am absolutely a verbal. So, you know, it's like, bring it on, right? Like that makes me feel so loved. And so if someone's listening to this and they say, okay, number one is recognition, but I'm not getting it. What do I need to do? Is it that they tell their manager more often the kudos that they're getting from colleagues, from their customers? How do they start to get the recognition that they desire and and deserve? And deserve. So yes, Karen, exactly what you said. And this is where you, you feel the fear and you're going to do it anyway, the courage to ask. So let's say, for example, Karen, you're my manager and I'm re- working on my presentation skills. That's one of the skills I'm in. I'm really focused on developing. And so we walk out of a meeting and you say, that was a well done presentation. You were very succinct, Carson. So you give me some feedback. In that moment, I tell you, Karen, thank you so much. Letting me know that that part of the presentation you found impactful and helpful is very affirmative for me and helps me continue to develop and do more of this good work. Mm. Okay, this is so good. Your boss training. Yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> I love this. It's kind of like puppy training. It's, kind of, <laughs> it's exactly like puppy training. And dare I say, I went to a women's seminar with a woman I adore and admire, Mama Gina, and she actually teaches you to man train. Now, my husband has all sorts of issues with those words, and I totally get it because if someone said woman train, I would throw up and kick them. So if you don't like the term, just throw it out. But it's reminding me of that. The idea of training anyone is you are sharing with them what works for you, what you need and what you love. And the more you're saying, oh, I love it when you give me that feedback, that really helps me. You're letting them know you're kind of igniting their brain and their neural pathways to respond to you in the way that you need. Yeah. So boss training. Boss training. And think about it this way. So if we, let's also step back and think about, so Karen, you're my manager and you run a team of 20 people and you've got five direct reports, but a big team. There are five of us. And you're trying to manage up in the organization. You have your goals. We have our goals. That's a lot. Yes. yes. And so in this manager training, and I also would suggest it's setting 
you up for success because you aren't, I mean, it would be great maybe if you were psychic and could read my mind around what I need, but I don't think most people can. So in this training, I'm also setting you up for success for me Mm -hmm. and not making you work as hard at it. The guessing game, did I do it right? Oh my, is this what she needs? You know, it works really well for Joe, but I don't know about Carson. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. You are telling them, this is what I need. This is what works for me. This is what leads to my best performance. Exactly. And the last line is the key here because um, one for women around this you know, imposter syndrome, who am I neediness, I want you to anchor it into performance. So this allows you to move it a little bit outside of you into I am performing for the team and the company. And it's really hard as a manager to argue with affirmation, reward, job crafting, this link to performance. Of course, because that's what they want. Ultimately, you're saying, this is how I'm going to perform at my best. This is how I'm going to create the most and the best for our business. Exactly. This is so good. This is so good. Okay. So number one is recognition. Number two, strengths. You already mentioned it. So this is around aligning your strengths and it's the excavation of your strengths, those superpowers, to the goals of the organization so you can start to shape your work and do more of what you love. So you got to figure out where your strengths are, multiple pathways in, and I know you've taught this to your listeners that they probably know. So identify our strengths. Then the second thing, and this to me is a very intentional exercise where you identify your strength and you literally map how your strength enables your team to achieve its goal faster, more creatively. Maybe it supports innovation. It leads to higher customer service scores. You get really clear on how it maps. So you're showing when I work here, we are on fire, driving revenue. Mm, Okay, so I have done episodes specifically on strengths and it's always good for a refresher. Or someone's listening to this episode and it's your first episode ever. So let's get to a couple of tools. And first, let's just share why strengths are so important, right? So this is what we know from the research. Research, positive psychology research, Gallup organization, as well as the founders of the field of positive psychology show that when we work along our strengths, we are happier, we're more productive as opposed to trying to build up our weakness. As you were saying, you go into a performance evaluation, you focus on the one thing that you could do differently. And it could take, like, it would take me 17 years to become more detail-oriented. It's not going to happen. But if someone pumps me up along my strengths, along being a visionary, along being an energizer, oh, I will find a way to get the details done, right? So let's just start, Carson. What would you say is important about knowing your strengths? And then let's give them a tool or two. So you've already outlined the research. And so for me, the succinct statement is strengths magnify performance. Ooh, Ooh, you just turned me on, Carson. (laughs) Strengths magnify performance. That's just three words that y'all could put on your wall, right? Strengths magnify performance. Boom. I mean, this is where you are truly the rock star. You own the stage. Mm -hmm. So they magnify performance. And if we go back to the framework, the, the reframing of the relationship with your employer, social contract, remember, give and take. So your strengths are the currency that you trade in. Mm, 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 This is mm. what you're giving to the relationship. Mm. And so we want to know, I want to know all the value I'm bringing and adding and how I'm really supporting our team and our customers. That's the power because if you're giving this, now we're going to make an ask 
What do we want in return? Mm. I want to spend more time uh, creating, uh, I don't know, creating marketing material, but maybe I'm not, I'm more on the line in sales, but I really want to use this creativity. Or maybe I need some flexibility in my work day. And so I'm going to use this to trade when I'm doing this. This is where you're getting more value than some of these other tasks that mm, not so sure they're yielding a really good ROI for me or for you. Mm-hmm. So really powerful to know these strengths. Wow. I had never thought of it this way as this give and take and that you working along your strengths is your give and allows you then to have some negotiation. This is huge. This is like game changer. I've never, Carson, in my 10 years of working in positive psychology, heard anyone explain it that way. Genius. So good. So the ways that someone comes to know your strengths, if you're listening to this, you could go back and listen to episodes specifically on strengths. So I know in your book, you talk about StrengthsFinder 2.0. Is that your favorite strengths tool? Do you have other strengths tool that you love? No, I'm a huge advocate of that one, Karen. I think it's excellent. Um, If folks don't want to invest in that, there are a couple of other paths in that we use with our executive coaching clients. You can always do reflection. I'm sure your listeners are are great at the reflection journaling and it's what was your best day at work? What do you receive affirmation and praise on? I feel on fire when? So a series of questions to kind of start to go in. 360 performance reviews, any type of evaluation mining those for core themes. And then my personal favorite, because it really is um, an intense, very tangible exercise is the calendar and task list audit, where you literally are going through your task and check marking or smiley facey or frown, whatever you want. I mean, but you are indicating in a very specific way, the things that you're good at, they light you up, you can't not do them, and you want to develop and grow in. And so you're marking those. And the reason I like that is because our strengths list is this currency. And this gives me some granularity and some specificity that sometimes I might not have if with the strengths finder, I might get what is one? Woo. I love that one. Woo. <laughs> I love it too. I could say woo all day okay. long. I love that strength. It's so cool. Great to know concept, but I need to translate that into what does that really look like? Right. And by the way, woo is winning others over. Yes. And so StrengthsFinder 2.0 is a product by Gallup that you can buy the book anywhere you buy books, $14.95, something like that. Don't quote me on the number. And you get the book. At the end of the book, there is a scratch-off code, almost like a lottery ticket or something that was like fun when you were a kid. You scratch it off. It gives you a code. You go online. You take this assessment for a half hour or so, and then it will pop out your strengths. And then you go back into the book, and you can look up your specific strengths. It's a tool I also use, and I use a couple of others as well. And so if you get woo, like you're saying, winning others over, it's kind of nebulous. Like, what does that even mean, and how do I use it? Right. The combination of that and the calendar and task list analysis can be very helpful, but I need specifics that I can go to you, my manager with and say, when I am reviewing social media analytics and looking at strategy, that to me is just, I'm on fire. I'm great at it. And I really want to do more of it. That's specific Mm -hmm. versus saying, you know, when we have to go and prospect at a conference, I'm going to use my woo. (laughs) <laughs> I'm 
like, okay, what's your, what, what does that mean? What are you wooing? I, do I need to be concerned? Is this ethical? What are we doing? I just want to know. What are you putting on your cheerleading skirt? Yeah, you got your pom-poms uh, out? I mean, what are we doing? Right. So this is where I push pretty hard with our clients. I need the specificity. Mm. We have to be specific because we're going to use this now to start to shape your, your job, to make it what you want. And I, and I need to know exactly what these are. Yes. So I love this. So you now have a couple of tools, everyone listening, make sure you, you write this down. You've got StrengthsFinder 2.0, which will give you a category like winning others over or positivity or analytical. And there are 34 of them. So it will give you what your top strengths are. Then you can take each one, what I'm hearing Carson say, and bring it down to the specifics. So instead of winning others over, what you specifically love is you love going to a conference. You love, okay, pre-COVID, you love going to a conference. You love networking. You love finding the perfect client for the business and finding what it is about them that they need from you and then getting them as a client. Like take it into the specific. And then I love this other layer you're putting on it, Carson, which is go through your calendar and put a little smiley face next to all the things that you love and maybe a little frowny face next to all the tasks that you don't. And this is how we start to job craft, which is an amazing term and tool that has actually been researched out of the University of Michigan. It's incredible. And Yale. So um... I always can't help but mention the University of Michigan because I went there, go blue. So <laughs> the... <laughs> yeah, it's, but it is, it's, it's great work. And this is what it's called. It's called job crafting. You are going to take your job. This is what Carson is teaching us. And you are going to craft it into what you want. So I love this. So someone gets down to the specifics, Carson, and then they can go communicate that to their manager. Exactly. And again, remember the key piece here, specificity, and you have tied connected strengths to goals, objectives, and outcomes. So you are really clear on how you are serving the company. It is really difficult for them not to say, yes, let's shape your job the way you want it to be. So now we're to the relationship piece. So this is the third step in our plan. So we know that we need recognition. We've identified what that looks like for us. We, we've reframed the employer-employee relationship give and take social contract. We've done the exciting excavation to find our strengths, our currency list. And now we're ready. Okay, let's go to work. We're going to make an ask of somebody. Yes, love this. So there are a couple of things we have to think about. We want to have a conversation. It's going to be a little challenging. So let's frame it up and understand a couple of things first. So I talk about in the book, the five social domains we all have that when triggered can send us either into full on crazy woman. I just want to punch you in the face. Oh my gosh. And yell at you. Or I'm just going to pack up my toys and I'm leave. I'm not playing in the sandbox with you. Mm -hmm. so it triggers the fight or flight response. Yes. So let's get into those because I know my body's starting to heat up just talking about it because that is what we do, right? Like, screw you, I'm fighting or I'm out of here. As opposed to 
really learning how do I stay in and have the conversation I want to have. And I can't help but say this again is another tool you could use in your personal relationships. Like, show us the way, Carson. How do I have a conversation with my husband, you know? Right, exactly. So the, let's talk about the five things we don't want to trigger because you sure will not engage in a conversation. So it's SCARF, which I love um, when we get to use an anagram. So SCARF, S is status. And this is about power. And your relationship um, with the person, is it power over, power with, just understanding hierarchy. And power is not a bad word. So you can unpack that later. But So status, then we have certainty. Am I certain that Karen's going to be here at eight or is she not going to be here at eight? That just, I know that it's kind of predictability. The autonomy is the A, and this is that agency and control and choice over what, how I work. And then the R is relatedness. So am I in group? Am I out of group? You know, am I in the Purpose Girl squad or am I not? And then the F is fairness. Well, my cookie was bigger than her cookie and I feel great about it. And she doesn't <laughs> like yes. these are primal. They are primal. This is amazing work by David Rock. It's, it is primal. And as you listen to this, you may even recognize if there's one that really sets you off, like all of us off. But I know for me, fairness just gets me every time. Maybe it's being the youngest. That's not fair. I don't know. But yeah. So. You always got the smallest cookie. You're like, this is not fair. Although my siblings would say I got the biggest cookie, you know, so but, right. Perspective, just perspective. Right. Right. Okay. So these are going to trigger us. We do have a primary one. Um, mine is autonomy. Woo. If I feel like I'm not at choice, mm. I'm packing up and I'm racing for the door. Yes. So the first thing we need to recognize what is mine, primary one, and then know that we want to, as much as possible, in the conversation with our manager or our partner or our husband or our teenager, this works for teens too, is mitigate and minimize these potential threats. Mm. So status, so how can we make sure that your manager does not in any way feel like you are trying to take power from, but you recognize that they do have positional power, so set that up, that the certainty piece, if you can let your manager know this is where the power of an agenda is so helpful. These are the things I'd like to talk to you in addition to our normal one-on-one topics. So I, I can be certain, okay, I see what's going to happen. I'm certain of how, how this is going to go out. Autonomy, create choice for your manager. Here are a couple of days, which one would work for you? Mm. Like now they've got that choice to choose. Then the relatedness piece is linking it back to the team right? That when you're going to have the conversation, you're going to connect it back to, we're all here in this company and we are all working because we really want to support our customers. This, that this is the group we're in. And fairness, this can get a little, a little tricky. So we don't want your manager to think that you are asking in any way for something that could be perceived as not fair to other people. Mm. So we're going to need to be thoughtful about that piece. Yeah. So let's take this to an actual example. Oh, yeah. And I, again, I have to tell you, Carson, this is work that I have studied and I teach. And I have never heard someone take the SCARF model, which is a researched concept that I had to write a paper on when I was in grad school. I've never heard it applied in this way. I've actually never heard it applied in any way. Just, hey, these are our basic primal triggers. And so I'm just letting you know, Carson, you're absolutely genius. To hear it, how do we apply this is genius. And I want to celebrate you for that. 
it's really, it's really great. So let's take it to a situation. So let's just say I have an ask that I want to start leaving early every day because I'm a new mom, right? I don't work in a corporation, but let's just say I did. But I want to shift my hours because I'm a new mom. Great. So how do we scarf this? Yes. Okay. So power. So let's start with status and hierarchy. So I'll be your manager. So Karen, I want you to think about how you are going to make sure that I am set up to know that this isn't a tell, but this is an opportunity for me to help exert my power within the organization to make it possible. Does that make sense? Mm, It does make sense. I'm just not sure I know how to make that ask in that way. Well, we'll get to that. So let's go at it a different way. We're going to weave scarf in with the model. So you're going to make the ask. Let's frame up the ask and let's work scarf at the same time. Okay, great. All right. So you're coming to me. The first thing that you need to do is get really clear on what it is you really want. I would like to leave the office at 3 p.m. every day because I'm a new mom. Here's what I've thought about in terms of plan. Here's how the work's going to get done. So, right, you're going back to strengths, you're driving results. So, you're coming in with what you want and how you're going to accomplish it. Mm -hmm. The first thing that you're going to do with me as your manager is you're going to state the facts. And in stating the facts, so I would like to leave at 3 p.m., which leaves two hours of work in the office that will not be done from 3 to 5. Here is the plan on how I'd like to make sure this work is done. And here's some things I want us to consider that maybe we don't need to do. Mm. So I might say, I'm going to work from 7.30 to 9.30 at night. I'm going to work early in the morning. What if I don't want to work extra hours? Well, so this is where I think we want to start with, I want to reconfigure the work that I do and not focus on the time. Oh, love it. Okay. So let's go in that way with reconfiguring the work. And we've got to make sure that your manager understands that they do have the power to say no. Mm, mm -hmm. That's the scarf threat, right? Got it. Right. You are coming with a proposal well thought out and it's not a threat or a demand. That's the difference. That's the power scarf piece that you're here for a conversation, recognizing positional power. They can say no. So if you think about it, it goes back to the strengths, what drives revenue, and this is why that task and calendar list is so important, because you will quickly see, why are we doing this report? Why are we not automating this? Have we not thought about this? You know, we're in meetings like five hours a day, and half of them don't have an agenda, and I don't know what we're doing there. There is so much wasted work out there that helps everyone. Mm -hmm. Here are the opportunities to streamline our work recognizing that they could potentially say no. We mitigate the scarf in this conversation, Karen, with the agenda that you sent over. Mm -hmm. And then the autonomy, you've asked them before when they want to meet. And we can also mitigate a scarf threat and maintain autonomy by meeting on their turf. Mm, In their office. Go to their office at their time. I can mitigate two scarf threats with that. Mm. You know, it's, it's Zoom, but we're you know, when works best for you. Yes. To do that. Yes, absolutely. And then as you lay out your plan for what you want to do more of, how we're going to streamline work that's just busy work, 
you're anchoring it back into the results and the team. That's where I'm mitigating the relatedness threat. Collectively, not only will this help me, but I also think it'll help all of our team. And we can look at flexing hours, but still driving results. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's going to help everyone to be more productive in the time that they do have. And because we're not going to be doing A, B, and C, that is useless. I mean, you might not say that, but you know <laughs> that kind of a thing. I love it. I love it. Okay. And then what about fairness? If then they get to like, oh, but now everyone's going to want to leave early. Potentially. Everyone is going to want to leave early, but this is where we're looking at the workload, right? So absolutely, that probably isn't going to work. So what can we do? This is another part of your plan to look at workload allocation and flexing and making sure that it's actually, I think workload is actually oscillates in most companies and how do you follow that rhythm and supporting everyone. And you can also mitigate a fairness threat when you talk about the impact across the team in less hours on busy work, less rework, more use of technology, which frees my mind to do the creative real work. That can mitigate fairness because it impacts everyone. It's not just about Karen getting home at three. I love it. I love it. This is so, thank you for taking us through an example because it helps to really drive home. And as you're listening to this, If your thing is that you want to work different hours, great. Then just take this and apply it. If it's something else, take each piece that Carson just said and apply it. Okay, now what is the status situation with this ask? You know, if it's, let's say you want to move into a different department or you want to have a go at a promotion, you can use this for each and every one. So this is our step three in terms of the relationship overall. This is so good using the SCARF model. And so let's get to number four. So number four is around the the growth, like developing new skills. And this is where you are intentionally and thoughtfully looking at what do I want to do more of? What do I want to develop? Is there a specific position? Is there a new division? Is there a brand new fill in the blank that I want to do? What do I need to develop to get there? And so it's putting together, I call it your opportunity map. What are your opportunities for growth? And then having a conversation with your manager where you might need support, where you need money for a course, you might want to coach, and then you start to implement your own personal development plan. And you don't wait on your company to put together an IDP for you, an individual development plan. You aren't waiting for your manager to tell you, no, this is personal agency and control this is what I want to do. And here are the things I want to do to make sure I get there to develop and grow. I love it. I love it. So years ago, when I was doing some organizational development work with a company, I had everyone do their strengths finder. Great. And then how do we apply it? What does that mean in terms of what work would light you up? And someone shared with me, you know what? I really have always loved planning events. Like I love to do that, but there's no events here. We're not an event company. And so we looked at the company itself and said, but what about employee events? What about the happy hours that everyone could have together? What about a holiday party? What about, right? Like how could you contribute to overall in the team? And at first it's not a new job, right? Like you, you're probably not going to be paid your salary for planning the happy hours. But if you also plan the happy hours, would you be happier at work? Would you enjoy it more? And of course the answer was, 
Yes. And then that might lead to another position where they say, oh my God, you should be in our human resources department. Or you say, wow, I love working with people so much. I love planning so much. Could I run the trainings? Could I shift into learning and development? Whatever it might be. And so this is so cool because you can really take all the pieces that Carson is saying and start to say, what would I want to do? What are the growth opportunities that either exist or I could create for myself? Yes. And the create for yourself is the secret sauce. Mm, mm. What's beautiful about your story and, and the client around event management is she was serving a need in the company. And in doing that, filling herself, happy, fulfilled doing it, developing a skill set on the job training, fabulous. And the exposure that she had across the company and exposure and building a different aspect or facet of her brand is powerful, mm. really powerful. It's being willing to step out of the narrow swim lane of your job description. Or, you know, I work in accounting and I do this, but I love people and want to plan events. Okay, well, there's a need. Let's go figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's starting with a yes, just open to we're going to figure out the yes that's Back to the give and take though, right? It's a win for both parties. Yes. Can I tell you, one of my coaching clients, this is so fascinating. She was doing her regular work and she had this love of people and her own personal love of self-help, right? Like self-help junkie. Her bookshelf probably looks like your bookshelf, Carson, looks like my bookshelf, right? Like we love collecting all this, all this stuff. And she's like, we as employees, we as a company should be training people and giving them opportunity with all these speakers and to learn these different tools. So she created a proposal, just like what you're talking about, went to her boss, said, I'll put it together. The first one of these that she put together was online because people already worked in their home. This is years before COVID. They were, you know, a remote workforce. And she did the first one. People were so excited to have some employee training that wasn't, here's how to use Excel, right? Or it wasn't like, here's how to negotiate a better contract, but was personal development training that 300 people showed up the first one, 300 in their own home because they were a consulting firm where that's what people did. So she continued, she wrote a proposal. The whole team loved it. She has now turned that. She turned that into her next job where she then wrote the proposal. This is what I'm going to do for the whole company. I'm going to run this thing. I'm going to lead this thing. She then went to another company to run training and development. And now she started her own business as a consultant going to companies and doing training programs and doing growth programs. And so you really can craft, but it takes the courage, right? First, it takes the self-awareness. What does light me up? What would excite me? And that's where the pieces that we're talking about around superpowers. And then it takes the courage. In your book, you talk about negativity bias, right? You talk about that in our mind, we have this, <laughs> our negative self-talk says, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? You shouldn't, blah, 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 blah. They're going to say no. And you're giving us all the tools to take it right back to the bottom line in terms of productivity, in terms of affecting the team, in terms of supporting the whole business to make it work. I love this. If you do the work that I'm suggesting, it makes it extremely hard for your manager, your organization to say no, because you are creating a mutually beneficial win for all folks. Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to add about 
to your story that I think is really important for your listeners with your, your coaching client, which is awesome, is that clarity creates opportunity. Mm. She got really clear on her strengths and what she loved, coupled with the courage and created the opportunity for it. Yes. Yes. There's another one y'all could put a picture frame around, right? Clarity creates opportunity. And you just put that on your wall and continue to ask yourself, how can I get more clear? What else can I learn about myself? What else is true? And that is going to create the opportunity. And what we know when you're in a positive mindset, you actually see more opportunity around you. And so it creates this upward spiral and it's just a beautiful thing. Okay. Tell us the the fifth piece. The fifth piece is around designing your work for more meaning. So this is right in your, Boom. I would mic drop on this one. And so the premise here is that meaning is not controlled by what happens to you by external events. Mm-hmm. Meaning is your interpretation and internalization of those external events. That's what creates meaning. So if you'll go with that premise, then every job has meaning and purpose. Every job has an opportunity for you to find meaning and purpose, and you've got to do the work to find it. And figuring out what it is for you that is meaning and significant. And it could be different. You and I could have the same job. And in my research, it was fascinating. I was interviewed folks who had exact same job because really wanted to understand what does that look like. And they thought about the job radically different mm-hmm. and pulled meaning and purpose in very different ways. It was the same job, same job description, same everything. But to them, each person has a different sense of what is meaningful to you. When I started my career, I was actually in automotive because I'm from Detroit. And when you are in Detroit, those are a lot of the jobs, or at least they used to be, right? So the first job I had, no, the second job I had was in automotive. And I remember I wasn't happy in it, right? But there were pieces that I loved. I loved going to trade shows. I loved working on ad campaigns. I loved all of that. I was in marketing. I loved the employee communication stuff. But the topic didn't turn me on cars. And so I really sat with what is it about cars? Like what turns me on is personal development, right? People, which ultimately I made my career, you know, people feeling empowered people. And so, okay, what is it about this that can turn me on that can feel meaningful? And I actually thought of babies in car seats. Ah, And I thought about a car keeping a baby and a family safe on the road. And then I thought about the road trips that my family had. We went on road trips every year. I've actually never been on a plane with my dad because we drove to Florida every year for for our vacation. So I took it into this like personal meaning for me to cars, which otherwise I had no connection with whatsoever. And so I love what you're saying. Each one of us can find that and, and anchor ourselves in that. Yes. And what you also did is the personal collection. It's also expanding your job out from discrete task. This is another way that we can start to find meaning and purpose is that I get out from, I'm, I do this transaction, I'm in this meeting, and you just pull the frame back a little bit, which you did with cars. You're like, ah, oh, how did they serve me? How mm-hmm. do they serve families? 
what does it mean when the car seat is buckled in with all the extra buckles? And <laughs> yeah, the cars are so rigged today. Like that car seat ain't going anywhere, by the way. I mean, it's like <laughs> this one and this one. And if you're a new mom, it's like <gasps> the rest of figuring out the car seat buckling was, it was a lot for me. <laughs> it is a lot. I mean, seriously, I, I couldn't do it at first. Like, thank God I did have Josh to be able to put it in there. I'm like, I don't understand. You know, there's like 16, they call it a five point harness. It's like, you got to put everything together. And then the stroller, like how come everything has a different set of belts? Why can't everything be the same? Right. And then the bouncy seat has a different. Th- oh my gosh. It's a lot. Okay, we've obviously picked something on me. I picked my own scab. Um, yeah, it is a lot, but this is, this is good. Right. And this is way before I ever had a baby, but it helped to, I love what you're saying, expand out and find the meaning in it and make it more personal. Meaning making is easier when we can get outside of self and focus on others. So I had to put this in practice. Uh, my second job, I was doing cold sales calls. I was filling booth space at conference calls, conferences, those trade shows. And so my job all day, smile and dial. Wow. It sucked. It was really hard. And <laughs> that let's just sounds say, so hard. It was so bad, Karen, and my vocabulary expanded exponentially based on some of the names I was called. I'm like, oh, never heard that before. <laughs> How do I say that? How do what? <laughs> um, and so I had to step back from the transaction and the icky boss and look at, wait a minute. What is the purpose in the actual trade show? Mm. And so I looked at my, my client profile and what I realized is that I think it was like 80 to 90% of them were women. Okay. Women business owners. And most of them were first time women business owners. And this trade show with this 10 by 10 booth space was their opportunity to stand their business up in front of wow. a targeted audience that was my job to build so they could sell their product. Oh, so that they could succeed. Now that turns me on. I want to smile and dial for them now. That's oh, wait, so I was like, Okay, I'm on it. I'm, I'm now, oh. it's not about me. I'm in service of you because I want you to be successful. And my job is to make sure I've got the right people and you've got the best conditions possible in my show for you to showcase your skills, your, if you're an artist, whatever it might be, this is your storefront. I'm giving you a storefront that you cannot afford or, or maybe isn't the right storefront in other venues for you, but this is yours. That is so genius. That's you seriously make me right now want to smile and dial for that trade show company. Like that's it. No more purpose, girl. I'm going to call because I want every single one of these women business owners to succeed. Right, I got it. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Let's go. This is so Good. This is a, Carson. I could talk to you all day long. You are so wise in this. You are so talented. And I love that you're taking this wisdom and you're making it so practical because we spend the majority of our time working. So let's have it be work that feels good and is meaningful and that we love. Yes. So good. So good. Okay. Even though I have a million more questions. One of the things that we have to get to is something I call the purpose power play round. So this is when I ask my guests a set of random questions and whatever's the first thing that comes into your mind is the right answer. Are you down? I'm down. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm like, what's going to pop right. out of my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> they're not hard questions. I promise. Okay. Good. They're not hard. Like, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. They're, right. they're not hard questions. Okay. What is one routine that you do to keep yourself healthy? Meditation. 
Mm. What does that look like for you? So it's either quiet, 20 or 30 minutes just with some breathing or a guided meditation on various apps that I love. And I'll just cycle through based on the little insight I get in the morning when I sit in the chair. Mm, I love it. I love it. Now, what I love, this is why I love women. We're so like multifaceted because meditation is stillness and you have this amazing energy, Carson. So what's a song or if not a song, something that gets you pumped up and excited and brings out that energy for you? Oh, I love that song, um, Brave by yes. Morales. I uh, want to see you be brave. I have the right. worst voice, but y'all have to deal with it. I was so glad you did that and I didn't have to do that. <laughs> this is your podcast. Like, you got a lot more grace than I do right now. So that's awesome. And, you know, it's like that song. It just, and I think particularly for women, we have so much to say. Our voices are so needed. And it just reminds me, use your voice for good. Use your voice for good. Put it out there. Amen, sister. Oh, my God. Yes. Who inspires you to be better? My daughter. She's nine. Mm, that's it right there. Y'all, you can't see the smile on her face, but it's really beautiful and sweet. Okay, last question. What's one thing you think every woman needs to know? Any job can be your dream job because you define the dream. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. I want everyone to grab a sticky note, write down, I define the dream and therefore you can make any job your own. So freaking fantastic. Carson, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the Purpose Girl podcast. Where can everyone find you? So CarsonTate.com on my website, LinkedIn, if that's your jam, TheCarsonTate.com and my book. TheCarsonTate. I know. <laughs> I had to work through that. I'm so glad you called that out because when we realized that Carson Tate, that handle wasn't available, I'm like, this isn't going to work for me. The, I mean, it's like a Madonna. Oh, I love it. I mean, yes. you know, that own, imposter, it. own it. That imposter syndrome was like majorly triggered, but now I'm owning it. The Carson Tate on LinkedIn. There you go. I love it. It just reminds me of your book title. Everyone needs to get it. And of course, we have all these links in the show notes. Own it. Love it. Make it work. So you are making, you are owning the Carson Tate. You are loving it and making it work. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Carson. I know all of you want to head out and make sure that you follow her because she's got such good stuff and you want to make sure that you get this book. It is so good. And it's filled with positive psychology that takes it right down to work. So all of you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. If you loved it, and we hope you did, run over right now to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave your five-star review. It literally takes 30 seconds of your time. And that is how women all over the world are finding the Purpose Girl podcast and changing their lives. This is how we change the world one woman at a time. Of course, if you are not yet in the Purpose Girls Facebook group, what are you waiting for? This is where we come together as sisterhood. This is where we lift each other up. This is where I inspire you and encourage you. And I come to you every single day with a different prompt to raise you up. So head over, join that now. Follow me on Instagram at Karen Rockhind. Of course, share this podcast with every woman you know, and perhaps every woman on your team. Let's have women rise up. With that, my loves, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.